Welcome to Grow PDX here on X-Ray FM. Grow PDX is a live call-in radio show and podcast focused on gardening, farming, community food systems, and more. You know, plants for people, pollinators, and the planet. And now we turn to the host of Grow PDX, Weston Miller of Oregon State University. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us here on Grow PDX, coming at you live on X-Ray FM and via Facebook Live at The Oregonian. hey I'm your host, Weston Miller of OSU, with digital producer Diana Suarez. Today on the show, Morris Horn of Joy Creek Nursery will be dropping in to tell us about his super cool nursery site out in Scapoose and some many great plant choices for here in the Northwest. Welcome, Morris. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Morris, we're going to start our show with a little garden humor today. What do you call a grumpy and short-tempered gardener? <laughs> I have no idea. A snap dragon. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Snap, snap. Snap dragon. And right. we'll get to know Morris in just a moment. But first, we're going to celebrate our plant of the week, which is Spirea van Hootii pink ice. Spirea Morris, what, why did you bring this plant in? Why do you want to celebrate this as the plant of the week? Oh, just because I love the color of this plant as it's emerging. The leaves are emerging in the spring. You have almost every color of the rainbow in there. Mm. All right, so this is spirea, so it's going to be a deciduous shrub, a somewhere dis- around five or six feet five tall or six and feet. wide, mm-hmm. and it loses its leaves, but it looks like it's got some really nice red stems when it does. Red stems, red up into the the young juvenile foliage, uh, variegation on the leaves, some gold, and the flowers are, are really beautiful white, setting off all of that um, array of colors underneath. Okay, so. it's early spring flowering early spring like flowering. other spireas. Mm-hmm. Weston, That's what's, what does deciduous mean? Deciduous, thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. Deciduous means that it's going to lose its leaves during the winter time. So okay. something like a maple tree is deciduous mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as opposed to an evergreen tree that keeps its leaves all the time. Got it. Now, how Morris Horn with Joy Creek Nursery, would you recommend people use the spirea in their landscape? These are really versatile plants. If you want to use an, have an accent in the spring, very often people mm-hmm. use the spireas for accenting mm-hmm. uh, certain places. The color is very intense. And we all long for color <laughs> after a long winter <laughs> like we just after had. A long winter. And okay. this just spoke to me. Uh, yeah. and that's why I brought it with me. Where awesome. does it do well? In what type it, of climates it, and it soils? It will do well uh, many, many places. Uh-huh. It's quite hardy down to at least zone five, which okay. puts it, okay. you know, up in the, in the Midwest area. Got yeah. It. Um, it would like to have regular watering. That's something you need mm-hmm. to know about spireas. They do like water. During some time. Mm hmm. And uh, it's this is slow to develop, so mm-hmm. it's not going to reach five feet overnight. It's going to take some time before it gets up to its full size. Gotcha. All right. Anything else about spirea? Oh, we could talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'll get to other plans soon enough. <laughs> You're with Grow PDX Radio Show and Podcast. I'm your host, Weston Miller, with Diana Suarez, our digital producer. Diana, who's joining us today on Facebook? Um, thanks, Louise, for joining us today, as well as um, Norma and Patricia. Thanks so much to everybody for, for um, tuning in. And let us know if you have any questions about pink ice or otherwise. Awesome. And now we're going to get to know our our guest, Morris Horn. He's with Joy Creek Nursery. Tell us about the nursery in general. The nursery is 26 years old. Okay, so a long time. I'm quite old now. (laughs) We started this uh, nursery. My my partner, Mike Smith, and I started the nursery uh, to uh, sell plants that are hardy for the Pacific Northwest. Okay, and by hardy, what do you mean? It means that they can tolerate our varying winters. 
All right. And this last year, we had a uh, a punctuated winter yes. with lots of cold events and rain yes. and snow and, and such. Um, by and large, the bulk of the plants you sell did just fine. Did just fine. Okay. Yes. Some minor damage here and there that can be pruned out. But overall, exactly. the goal is uh, if you choose plants that are hardy to a region, then that'll minimize some of the problems that can come down the line. That's correct. Awesome. Yeah. Now, what kinds of plants do you all sell at the nursery? Well, we have a full array of, of several species, uh, generas, which are various genus. Do, you, do we yeah. need to explain Sh- what Yeah, well, defining is? terms is a great <laughs> idea here. <laughs> so a, a genus is essentially a collection of, of plants that are commonly related, and yeah. they are broken down into species. The yeah. species are underneath. And we have collections, for example, of clematis and hydrangeas, penstemons, lavenders, etc., that we've assembled and trialed in our own gardens, and then we produce them and sell them to the public. Mm-hmm. All right, so you, you have themes, and that is basically hardiness, but then plant groups that plant you groups. like to grow yes. and that you like to put in your gardens as we well. We like to put in our gardens, yes. Now, you say clematis. I say clematis. What's clematis. The pr- clematis. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's the correct pronunciation. They're both ex- acceptable. Okay. Clematis is the preferred, but I don't care mm-hmm. how you pronounce it as long as you have one in your garden. And treat it correctly. Yes, and treat it correctly. <laughs> and, you, and you have a clematis for every garden. Give us a sense about the range. It's a really broad group it's, of It's a huge vines. group of uh, not only climbers, but there are also some herbaceous some herbaceous ones that, as well. that stand two to three feet tall and can be used as perennials in the garden. I see. And they have a, um, large flowers, from very large, almost dinner plate size flowers, down to bell, small bell-shaped flowers. So you have a, a huge range of or variety of flower types within the the genus. And some are evergreen, Mm -hmm. some are deciduous. Yes, we have a full range of evergreen. Not all the evergreens are hardy for the Pacific Northwest, so we only sell a limited number of of the evergreens. Okay, and then just general conditions, what kind of soil conditions, shade conditions, sunlight conditions? with over 300 species that are are all over the world in different locations, there are, it's hard to just say there's one typical clematis, but the large flowered ones that we're most familiar with, they actually uh, are they're deciduous. They grow in mixed conif- coniferous and deciduous forests, so they get a lot of debris in the winter that breaks down. So they they like a good nice organic rich soil, run, rich okay, soil with, exactly. Okay. But then since they're in the understory, they can take great conditions like around houses where exactly. it's partially sunny. Exactly. Okay. So. Now, um, in the, with so many different ones, the pruning is going to vary. But for the large flowered well, clematis, the, what are the pruning recommendations? So the recommendations are, first of all, observe your clematis and see when it blooms. If it blooms in the spring, it is blooming on the older wood. Right. If it's blooming in the summer, it's generally blooming on, on the, newer on the wood. new wood. And if you have one blooming on the old wood and you cut it back at the end of winter, yeah. your bloom will be delayed. Right, the next mm. year. Yeah, okay. but if you if you have one that blooms in the summer, whack it back, it's going to grow, grow tall and, uh, uh, you know, reward you with lots of flowers. And the good news is that the worst that can happen if you prune incorrectly mm. is delayed blossoming. It's delayed blossoming. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they're overall pretty vigorous vines. They're going to grow readily even if you hack them. What I've learned is I used to read all the European books and um, – you know, for cold, colder climates, they recommend one thing. But we live in a very generous climate here in the Pacific Northwest, and I found that almost all of my plants, even if I do cut them back, 
uh, give me a good good floral display. Okay, good to know. Cool. Morris, you're clearly passionate about plants and your business. How did you first get started in the nursery trade? What's the backstory here? Oh, the backstory is very, very complicated. <laughs> how about the short backstory? <laughs> I don't even know how to, to, dip, to, to summarize it, except that I fell in love with plants as a child. And I'm an army rat, so I lived all over the world, and I saw lots of different kinds of environments with lots of different plants. And when I came back to the States and was floundering, uh, trying to find a calling. Mm-hmm. I finally, finally, when I was getting in my 30s, recognized that the thing that made me happiest in, in life was working with plants. I'm right there with you. Okay. <laughs> and I'm <So>. Absolutely. <laughs> a little delayed. But <laughs> well, at least you found your calling. Yes. And uh, putting in 26 years towards a business has to be a really gratifying experience. Tiring and gratifying. Tiring and gratifying. Mm-hmm. This is Grow PDX on Extra FM and on Facebook Live at The Oregonian. Thanks for listening in this afternoon. We're joined by guest Morris Hone. He, he's the co-owner of Joy Creek Nursery out in Scapoose, and we're talking about some well-adapted landscape plants here for the Northwest. Morris, tell us about the Great Plant Picks program. This is a, a, an actual wonderful program that comes out of Seattle from the Miller uh, Elizabeth C. Miller Botanical Garden, which is in the north end of uh, Seattle. Um, What we do is we meet together. There are 30-plus botanists, retail nursery uh, people, um, designers, all all kinds from all kinds of plant-related businesses and industries that meet together three or four times a year. And we've been trying to select plants that are appropriate for the Pacific Northwest. Okay. And that's all the way from Eugene up to Vancouver, B.C. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, so one of the plants that I think you guys are um, highlighting is a fuchsia, because mm-hmm. you guys specialize in fuchsias yes. as well. So yes. Can you tell us a little bit about this plant? Yes, fuchsias are, are essentially um, deciduous shrubs, and for a long time people thought they were only annuals are treated in, treated them as if they were annuals but we over mm-hmm. the years we found that many of them are indeed winter hardy here and some people recommend that you plant the roots a little deeper than you you would uh, other plants sure. maybe two inches deeper than they are in the pot okay uh, we never did that when we started out and we still had great success at the nursery with them the one rule of thumb for growing good fuchsias I would say is to make sure that they have adequate moisture mm-hmm. and give them some organics um, in, during the some, during the spring. Okay, some, yeah. some fertilizer, fertilizer during the spring. Yes. Okay, and then a rich soil again yeah. with some compost but mixed in. The mm-hmm. number one thing that people do is they tidy up their gardens in the winter and whack them back to the ground. Right. And that's a no-no because Uh-oh. those are growth points. And if you take away growth points very often... You kill the shrub. Kill yeah. the shrub. Okay. And so There's leave no them alone. Point from which to grow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Leave them alone until you start seeing new growth at their base. Right. And then you can shape them all. And you then want. shape them. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you recommend people use fuchsias in the garden? What are some of their companions? What What I like to do is is highlight evergreen shrubs, broadleaf evergreen shrubs, especially because they serve as a good background for a garden, Mm -hmm. but I want color, I want some variety later in the season, Mm -hmm. because fuchsias will bloom for four or five months. Oh, wow, okay. They really give you a a good, extraordinary uh, display Uh that you can do, and then when they go dormant in the winter, you still have those evergreen shrubs behind, giving you a good, something to look at during the winter. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, 
Um, um, um, well, and, and how about penstemons? <laughs> <laughs> you admire, I, I admire species like the yeah, penstemon seriolatus. I, I love penstemons, and they're not the easiest uh, plant for home gardeners. Even yeah. our, our organ species don't do well in the home garden, and I'm, I'm on this quest to find the best plants for home gardeners so they'll have success because that's what I want people to have mm-hmm. in the garden. But um, I think cardwellii, penstemon cardwellii, is probably the easiest of all the local species yeah. that I've grown. And I've had pretty good luck with the Cascade penstemon myself. The, the, Sunny sh- locations, yes. shady locations. Yes, yeah. What's a pes- penstemon? Pe- it's a good question. <laughs> it's it's actually related to the foxglove, <laughs> or excuse me, the snapdragon Squ- that yeah. we talked about okay. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. It's got just nice, beautiful um, purple or pink or mm-hmm. many, a range of different colors, okay. kind of narrowish leaves. It's yeah. a deciduous, herbaceous shrub. Uh-huh. Or excuse me, it's an herbaceous noted, shrub. Yeah. Noted for, uh, some of them actually are shrublets and some mm-hmm. of them do, do go totally dormant in the winter, but they're noted for their tubular flowers. Okay. And uh, those are really great for pollinators. Bees, small bees and the like use them, and it's very exciting to watch. Okay. Uh, hummingbirds, yes. and also I, I have a great picture of a um, western swallowtail butterfly yes. on Cascade Penstemon. Yes. That makes yes. me super happy. Cool. And you've introduced some of the penstemons well, we've as done, well. We've done a, a lot of work with what was known as the Gloxanoides complex, which is no one knows what they, all the plants are that were cross, all the species are, but we've, uh, we've made some nice selections, mostly with uh, outlines of you know red and pale purple, uh, cerise colors, and, and the like, and a clear white throat in the interior. Oh, so it yeah. makes them kind of striking yeah. to the eye. That yeah. sounds cool. Cool. And um, speaking of all these cool colors, mm-hmm. how many hy- types of hydrangeas do you guys have? Oh, my God. <laughs> we have so many hydrangeas. <laughs> I think there are about 140 planted in the garden. Yeah. And we do both the climbing hydrangeas and we do the paniculata forms of hydrangeas, and which are... Um, the easiest probably for anybody to grow, and then the serratas, which are woodland uh, hydrangeas, mm-hmm. and then the macrophylla complex, which is the, the ones we know, the, the, yeah. the big flowers that people are going to find at box stores and things. Mm-hmm. Like Mop that. heads mm-hmm. and lace caps and yeah. like, yeah. Okay, got it. And help us to make sense of this range of different hydrangeas. There's lots of different groups. I think they all have different uses, you know, where they're found. And so we can incorporate some of those uses. For example, we had an old orchard on on site at the nursery. We have four acres of gardens there. And mm-hmm. so we we decided to grow the serratas, which are woodland hydrangeas, in that orchard. And they've really flourished there okay. with, with um, you know, not very much dappled light, basically, right. is what they get. And they bloom, and they're the earliest blooming. Yeah. And they also bloom on new wood. Okay. Which is different from the okay, ones early blooming on new wood is yeah, not a common characteristic. Not common. And okay, so, cool. very fun. Cool. Yeah. This is Grow PDX, and we're talking with Morris Horn about plants in Joy Creek Nursery. I'm your host, Weston Miller, with Diana Suarez of XRI FM. Thanks for listening, and we'd be love to take your questions. Give us a shout at five zero three two three three nine seven two nine where you can post your question on the Organian Facebook feed. And now, a little more garden humor. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> How do you stop a dog from digging in the garden? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Start right. Never let the dog see you digging. 
Because doggy see, doggy do. Oh, no, oh, no. no. Well, how am I supposed to put my plant, my deciduous plants in the ground then, Weston? <laughs> well, I know. And I've got a new dog, and we're training him not oh, okay. to go dig in the garden, though he's really interested in the moles. Oh, yes. So mm. he, of course, is trying to dig in the garden. Mm-hmm. Morris, you have a, a technique that I think you really just brought to our area in terms of using quarter 10 gravel as mm-hmm. a soil conditioner. Tell us about how you do that in a landscape scenario and what are the benefits? So this is an old English technique and we were introduced to it by John Kane, who was um, our landscape designer at the, at the company. He actually suggested once that we had a lawn that had turned into a mud puddle, Mm -hmm. which was there for about five months a year, and then the grass didn't grow well. He said, why don't we just put quarter ten crushed basalt on that And what is that exactly? So it's it's construction-grade gravel, Uh and it's all cleaned, so it doesn't have any fine particles. It's one quarter of an inch to a tenth of an inch in diameter approximately. And we put about an inch of that over the existing lawn Uh and seeded grass seed into that. And we have this beautiful lawn now and no mud puddle because... The, the, the drainage and the, the, the drainage level has improved. Okay. And we were able to rake it so any dips or anything were taken care of. It, it doesn't make any difference if the level is a little higher or lower. Um, it We do go back occasionally once every three or four years and do a light broadcast of gravel into it, uh, mm-hmm. the lawn again. Mm-hmm. But it's so firm. And th- what's nice is that gravel is a mulch. We, we've learned over the years, yeah. we've learned various ways of understanding this process. But the mulch then keeps the moisture level higher, higher underneath, underneath, okay. and so the grass stays greener yeah. longer. Through the course, okay. okay, so as a soil amendment, it really has some benefits in terms of planing out the surface quite a uh-huh. bit, yeah. making a smoother lawn, and the grass doesn't have a problem growing through and it. No moss and no moss because it's aerated. Mm. Right. I see. So, yeah. so we have a surface tension underneath, you know, on to, on the top of that mud that we, right. most of us garden in, and when you can break that surface tension and allow better drainage. I see. And my understanding is that as the soil expands and contracts mm-hmm. with changing temperatures, mm-hmm. it the the gravel works its it way works down its through. Way mm-hmm. through. How yes. deep have you seen it working its way down? Mm, not real, not really, really deep, okay. but you know, grass mm-hmm. wants to go deeper than that hard pan. Right. Yeah. And, and that clay and this that breaks we have it up here and, so and many, allows yeah. the grass roots to go a little bit deeper, which totally. is nice. Cool. Yeah. So that's you described how you use it in a lawn scenario. Uh-huh. How about in a landscape bed, like preparing new soil or new so, new areas? So I've done a lot of work with uh, what I call low to no water gardens. And okay. those gardens are essentially amended with quarter ten gravel and I use about an inch of quarter ten and an inch of organic compost, and mm-hmm. I dig them into the existing ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was a lawn, I strip the lawn off first, and then I amend. And then I plant my plants that I know are low-water usage plants. Right. I have I've lists that I've worked on for sure. years and years. Mm-hmm. And then I come back, and I do that compost over the top of it all. So okay. it becomes a gravel bed, yeah. but that's the mulch, yeah. and the mulch is permanent. You uh-huh. don't have to keep replacing it. Yeah. And these plants, because they don't take a lot of fertility, yeah. seem to do really well in that situation. And I, I've i had incredible luck with that technique. Really cool. Awesome. Now, um, hostas. Yes. 
Let's talk about hostas. I, I am not a hosta king, but I will talk about hostas if you'd like me to. <laughs> Please. Hosta <laughs> king. Um, I, I, we, we don't grow a lot as many hostas as we used to because we don't like to use a lot of chemicals, and hostas are slug bait. Yeah, they are slug bait. Mm-hmm. So we have to do a lot of work trying to to keep them looking good and big in the garden. One thing I would recommend is you make a selection of hostas that have kind of thicker leaves, and hostas they tend to be less less, less uh, susceptible to slug damage. Uh, to yeah. slugs. It's those tender, beautiful little things that are variegated often um, that that get t- attacked. Yeah, yeah. Um, hostas la vistas, little slugs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in when you do have slugs. Um, in a nursery setting, yeah. you don't want to use chemicals, so you're That's growing right. less of them. Yes. What do you recommend in a garden setting? Squishing them. So, well, we we do do a little bit of active um, er- eradication. <laughs> <laughs> eradication. That's a euphemism. <laughs> if I've ever heard one. But we also, if we if we do use chemicals, we apply them in the winter. Okay. And what we found is, uh, if you can get rid of those slug eggs mm-hmm. early. Uh, you've wiped out a population, yeah. Yeah. and so they, and that they hatch around. I I, I think it's up in Late the upper August, 30s. September, so no, actually in in, in the January, winter, in the oh, winter, interesting. And then okay. you don't have that poison out when you have visitors with dogs and the like walking through the garden. It's already done its thing. Ah, yeah. I see. There and you, go. you you can do it consistently over time for a couple of years, and you tend to decrease your dislike population. Yeah, I think over time is mm-hmm. the way to think about mm-hmm. it. Is there's no instant um, cure for slug situations. Is it like antibacterial soap, where the longer you use it, you build up more bacteria that are resistant to uh, the? Good question. <laughs> not not uh, that I know of. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think yeah. slugs are developing resistance to okay. the, the chemicals. They're not fast enough. Now, Diana, I saw someone uh, saying oh, on yeah. Facebook that yeah. um, they're wanting to cover up their tender plants with shade cloth to keep them from bolting today. Yeah, and tomorrow <laughs> it's going to be a, a hot one today and tomorrow take care of your plants don't water in the daytime yeah any other questions going on facebook at this time um no questions currently oh yeah we had do have a question from our producer will um we thought our hops were gonna we're gonna die but they're coming out and so um how can we take care of our hops what what well they 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 essentially do go dormant during the winter and they'll come up from the base you'll see a lot of new growth coming up We don't. We raise only one uh, because we're an ornamental nursery. We only uh-huh. raise one, yeah. which has gold foliage, and cool. it's a very ornamental. Yeah. Um, but it's a fantastic plant. They get really big and f- get big quickly. So make sure you have an adequate support. Okay. For it. Okay. Okay. What about aphids? They're all over my buds, my rose buds right Already. now. Already, yeah. the aphids are out. They're coming out. <laughs> So, you know, safer soap is probably the easiest and most benign thing you can use. Soap, you have to use yeah. it. And you can hose. I, I uh-huh. just go and hose <laughs> my my roses off, and yeah. then you can apply your safer soap on, okay. on anything that's coming coming mm-hmm. out. The safer soap is it uh, will dry the skins out of the mm-hmm. aphids and have mm-hmm. soft-body insects that kills them pretty well. That sounds um, fun. But the thing is, when when you are dealing with aphids, you'll have to lift the leaves up because the aphids will be hanging around On underneath the there. Yeah. And you could you know spray either yeah. water or the soap, but really you can also just apply your thumb and feel that really sensational feeling of aphids popping. Yeah. And it's oh, kind is it like of like popping a pimple. It, it, <laughs> well, it's maybe even grosser. In 
in some ways. Um, <laughs> you come up with yeah. green skin too. <laughs> you come up with green skin, but um, actual green thumbs. You know, I think that the key with aphids is being super uh, proactive about mm-hmm. it. If you let them develop mm-hmm. and they find a, a place that they like, though. Their population will escalate pretty quickly yeah. because did you know that aphids are born pregnant in essence? So Yikes. when their life cycles become really yeah. fast when yeah. they're so in a good situation, they they hatch from eggs and live. Yeah, right. So well, they've got like two triple methods. Generations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so you've yeah. got to yeah. get all of those generations taken care yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> that that just reminded me. I have ants in my plants. <laughs> Ants and your plants and you need um, to Exactly. But in my in my bedroom, which is less ideal because I have, you know, some little oh. planters up on my windowsill. But I've just been walking around all week saying, I've got ants in my plants and I haven't really addressed them yet. Ants are <laughs> coming in. Um, yeah. Usually they don't really come in in the springtime. It's more of a summer kind of mm-hmm. thing. I think the main thing is just to wipe them up as soon as you can and. Uh, don't have any glasses of juice or things like that oh, yeah. sitting around oh, in no, the they're, kitchen they're or anywhere. They're colonizing my planter. They're colonizing the planter. Oh, <laughs> then it no. might be time to take the and planter out. Plant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I would. would take the planter out for the season and yep. probably Change hopefully it'll go soil. away. Yeah. Change out the soil um, before you bring it back in. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Morris, yeah. on the um, at Joy Creek this mm-hmm. weekend, you've got a class with Mike Darcy. Tell us about Ooh, that. Exciting. Oh, well, we we've been doing classes for <clears throat> almost twenty years out at the nursery, and we have a different approach this year than we've ever had before with a, a main class the first week weekend of every month. Okay. So Sunday, Sunday, one o'clock, and Mike Darcy, who is the great radio personality and a wonderful plantsman himself. It has agreed to come out and speak for us um, at one o'clock, and he's going to talk about uh, tough plants that he loves and that he okay. grows in his own garden, ones that are going to hold up to less water and full sun, mm-hmm. and he has a nice list of plants. We just went over that a few an hour or so ago. Can you give us just a couple of previews? Well, I suppose. He 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 loves olives. Olives, yeah. And so he's been having really good luck with olives, yeah. and okay. he wants to talk about Olives. The, the hardy olives are, yeah. um, they'll do okay here they, in terms of hardiness. They'll do okay. And they look, yeah. they have great silver gray foliage, yes. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Morris, what inspires you the most about your work in the nursery business? Well, recently, as I've gotten older, I love having young children out to the nursery, huh. walking through the gardens, because I see that as the link to the future, that mm-hmm. they're seeing plants the way I got to see them yeah. when I was young. And I see them um, going on in the future. And may, even if they don't become nursery men or women, yeah. they still are going to garden. And Hopefully they'll be plant really enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to need to bring my kids on out to check it out. Yeah, Joy Creek Nursery. Totally. That's Morris Horn of Joy Creek Nursery in Scapoose. Thank you so much for joining us. You're quite welcome. And that's been Grow PDX on X-Ray FM for this week. You listen to us live on X-Ray and via Facebook Live at The Oregonian. The show is produced by me, Weston Miller, and Diana Suarez and Will Romy. You can catch a podcast of the show on our Facebook page, Grow PDX Radio Show and Podcasts. Thanks, for much, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be here again next Wednesday at 1 p.m.